0: The Dether Tap is live for Friday. It is July 28th. We're talking about Carlos Santana. Trade in Milwaukee Brewers. What questions we have. What things you need to know. We're also going to talk about the Brewers Brave series. Before moving on to football where we're going to talk Aaron Rodgers. And if you can cheer for him this season. And then we will talk about training camp hot takes. We're two days in but their takes are flying around. We'll talk about those and many more. Before we get going, just a reminder, social media, keg on Twitter, Tappanikeg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. You might have heard me mention this on yesterday's pod, but we are over 800 on TikTok. I appreciate that, thank you. If you are following there, if you're not, there's still time to get involved. I understand not everybody's on TikTok, but we've really found a nice landing. It's our second largest following behind Twitter or X, however you want to call it. I guess it's going to become X over the weekend, and we're going to all be zeding. Um, I'm probably still going to call it Twitter though, and uh, it, it's not one of those things where I'm trying to be different. It's just I've known it as Twitter forever. It's going to be hard for me to call it X. Uh, <laughs> it's at Facebook, I still call it Facebook, which are on there too, Tapping X like Sports, but technically that's Meta. So you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, If you're not already subscribed, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, If you are subscribed, drop this into a group chat. Tell your friends about what we have going on. We'd appreciate that. A great Friday listen for the boys. We are just hanging out, letting it fly like we usually do on a Friday. Let's go and talk about Carlos Santana joining the Milwaukee Brewers The Milwaukee Brewers made a trade right after Mitch and I did our trade deadline preview. If you know anything about the history of tapping the CAG podcast, we are cursed. (laughs) This happens a lot to us. So this is not a surprise that the Milwaukee Brewers made a deal and a guy that we didn't really talk about. Now, I mentioned Santana on a few different pods when talking about first base options and I had said that... One of the unique things about the first base position is all of the top talent is in the NL Central. Whether it is at the high level, like Paul Goldschmidt, who's probably not gonna get traded by the St. Louis Cardinals, or Cody Ballinger, who's had one of the best comeback seasons if not for Christian Yelich coincidentally enough and then there's Carlos Santana and maybe the Pittsburgh Pirates would want to do do a deal with the Milwaukee Brewers it's not as fierce of a rivalry as what you have with the Brewers and Cubs or the Brewers and Cardinals and sure enough the Pirates and Brewers did the deal uh you have Carlos Santana coming over the Brewers are giving up Yanni Severino a international guy they got for 1.2 million dollars now Brewers have hit well and international guys uh, whether it's jackson trio whether it's luis laura but luis laura is the same age as severino he's 18 and luis laura i believe is our 18th best prospect uh right now and severino is right at the 30 and as pointed out by i think it was sam dykstra might have been mccalvey i can't remember who uh that they're probably getting bounced once all the rookies all the guys get in from the draft like brock wilkin like bonini like Cooper Pratt and to add on to that the Brewers signing all these high school bats a guy like Severino They might not not necessarily need so I I think the Brewers are showing themselves to be in a good spot. This isn't one of those where we're like, yeah, I'm not sure if this is gonna work out in the long run, not like Antoine Kelly last year, where I think all of the collective Brewer fan base was was a little hesitant on that. And looking back, it's a bad deal. Even though Kelly has not made it up in the ranks in Texas, it still doesn't matter, right? Matt Bush was a complete lost cause, really from Jump Street. Uh, But we're not here to look at the past. We're here to look at Carlos Santana and the future. Carlos Santana is a guy that has played in the playoffs with the Cleveland Guardians. He was a guy that was brought in uh, for the Seattle Mariners last year from the Kansas City Royals. This seems to be Santana's bag. And I don't think Santana will have any problem joining the Brewers. All the comments were positive. He really liked how they played hard. He Knows Willie Adams, Joel Piams, and I think it might be Contreras too. Uh, and, and he's a Dominic, he's a Dominican, so there is a little bit of that there. And brings you know a nice welcoming presence to the clubhouse. It's not like he's an asshole or anything. It's not like wow they're taking on a guy that might have some question marks in terms of a clubhouse. Uh, Santana seems like all good vibes. If you remember the walk off he had against the Milwaukee Brewers uh he he danced and strutted could have made some people mad uh but i I get it and now he's dancing for us and hopefully he's doing it in a walk-off capacity so what does carlos santana bring you ask i can i have those answers for you i'm glad you asked carlos santana is going to bring some power to the middle of the order he is a switch hitter so that means that you can stack santana Really, in any way that you like, right? Because even if you go lefty lefty, a team can't necessarily, you know, attack you with a, their best left hander, right? In the order. And Craig Council tries to avoid that. He tries to go righty lefty when he can, but it, a switch hitter kind of changes the game. And so that gives the Brewers a legitimate option in the middle of their order, which they are desperately lacking. Uh, Sal Freelick is not a cleanup hitter. Sal Freelick is there because he's their best hitter available, right? Andrew Monasterio is not a cleanup hitter. Andrew Monasterio is not a five hitter. And now with Carlos Santana, you can probably have an ability to even out the lineup a little bit and have counsel sort of see a different approach to what the Brewers are doing offensively. And I really believe you'll have Carlos Santana near the top of this order. He's, gonna, he's going to probably first game on Saturday, so we won't have the, kind of the lineup we've seen the last few few days on Friday tonight. Uh, and then we'll see Santana appear on Saturday for the Brewers, and we'll see what that lineup looks like. And they do face a righty, so it w- there won't be any sort of chicanery there. I wonder if the lineup will look something like Salfrey look at the, at the one, Contreras at the two, Yelich at the three, Santana at the four, Adamas hitting five, Monasterio six, Tyron Taylor as your DH at seven, Terang uh, at second, uh, batting eighth, and then Weimer batting ninth. I could see that as a lineup. Uh, I could also see Santana hitting second, I could see Santana hitting third, and basically they're stacking, you know, Yelich, Contreras. And then, and, and then Santana, and then you have Freelich or Willie Adamas. And Freelich, I, I don't think you should you know bump Freelick beyond Willie Adamas. Maybe Freelick still is a cleanup hitter, and that's just how you have to roll until the Brewers get another bat or they get guys healthy like a Rowdy Tellez, uh, who probably back in a couple of weeks, right? So I, I definitely think that they add a big-time power bat there with Santana um, and it's his twelve home runs, right, is you know second to what the Brewers have in their in their lineups right now. So it is a much needed addition for this team, and that's something that is really going to help you know stabilize this offense and not make you feel like okay they have to get it done with Yelich Contreras. Adamas and Freelich. And really, Adamas has fallen off a cliff again. It's a bummer that he had the All-Star break because he got hot in that Cincinnati series right before the break. And then it now has fallen off a cliff again. And that's been the Willie Adams story all fucking season. And it's been really frustrating, uh, truly. I I think Willie is higher on my shit list than maybe he is for other people. I think that if you wanted to pay him, you have worms for brains. Uh, there is no chance in hell that I'm paying Willie Adams at this point. Willie Adams has to prove it to me. The only way I'm paying Willie Adams if he's willing to do a three-year, $75 million deal. And I guarantee you he's not. But I don't know if, Willie Davis is worth more than that. But getting back to Santana, he he is going to add an element there offensively. Defensively, he is the top first baseman in defensive runs saved. I don't think any of us had that on their bingo card, a very cliche term uh, in today's culture. But seriously, like he's playing really good defense at first base and the Brewers are adamant that they are not going to let their defense suffer when they make these deals. They have been very open about how much they value defense right now. And it's really been the catalyst of this Milwaukee Brewers team. They, that's a huge reason why the Milwaukee Brewers are two games back from the two seed in the NL and the, the National League in general. And so Santana's defense has been really fucking good this year. And he is going to be your everyday first baseman. And he's going to be there pretty consistently. He doesn't take a lot of days off. I don't think you're going to see him at DH very often. I think Santana is going to be there... Night in, night out, and really helping the team. And I know it's a li- he's a little older, and so that might be a concern that there could be some wear and tear as the year goes on. But for the lottery ticket that you you got for him, I don't think that's something you need to worry about. Now, can you manage his time for sure? Right, you, you've seen what Old Miller can do at first base. You know, I'm not a huge fan of Old Miller, and I want to touch on him in a second. You also have Ry Teles. Uh, who could play first base? If when Brian Anderson's back, he could play some first base. There are options for the Milwaukee Brewers to try out different first basemen if they need to. If Santana does need, you know, more time DHing, or they want to use him more, Victor Carantini, another guy who you could use at first base. So they have other options if they need to sort of scale back his time. But I think you're going to see Santana in that defensive role. More often than not, especially late in games, and the Brewers, I, I can't, there was one or two old games where Owen Miller really struggled at first, early on, when, oh, the Cubs game uh, that I attended uh, on a Wednesday night, when Devin Williams blew a save, like, that was all on Owen Miller, that was a loss that was directly on Owen Miller's defense, and you need to avoid those kind of games. With the the margin of error for the Milwaukee Brewers with just how little offense they have and their pitching, they need to have great defense. And so that is something the Brewers are going to continue and if they don't get certain guys, it might be because they suck defensively. Like I suggest Tommy Pham on Twitter, or me if you're not following along. And Tommy Pham is not a great defender. So Tommy Pham might not be an option for the Brewers, right? Unless you're using Tommy Pham as just a DH. But I'm just looking for guys who can mash against left-handers. And that's what Tommy Pham does. And the Mets are open for business. Now they traded Daniel Robinson. So other questions maybe you have. Uh, what happens with Owen Miller? Well, let's tell us. Let's hear to ride I think Rowdy still has a role on this team. I think Rowdy is an ultimate clubhouse guy. I think people really like Rowdy Telez in the Brewers organization. I think they still believe in Rowdy Telez. There's been this weird thing, I don't know if you guys picked up on this or noticed this, that. It seems like first baseman for the Brewers can only have one good year, right? You had Eric Thames. He had an awesome year. The next year was Jesus Aguilar. And the next year, it was somebody, I think it was somebody else. I think they they traded Zeus. That's right. And if it was in 2020, they traded Zeus. I'd have to look back. But they can't seem to get a consistent first base. And they thought they had him right after last year. Uh, he's really struggled this year. Um, and maybe this is the motivation he needs, right, Uh, and that he knows that he's not going to be playing defensively at first base. Now, Rowdy plays an okay defense. I think it gets oversold on the Bally broadcast, but I think you're going to see more of Rowdy in that DH role, and can he do that, and is that something that Rowdy will be comfortable with, and if he is, I mean, then all of a sudden, Your one through one through six, one through five looks really good. You have Freelich, you have Contreras, you have Yelich, you have Adamas, you have Santana, and you have Telez. That's pretty damn good. Like, that's if Telez is hitting, that's a really solid six. That's a six that can get you somewhere. In the playoffs, and that that to me is the exciting thing and the alluring thing. That if Rowdy can just figure out what he was doing in last year and bring it into this year, I think the Brewers are really really have a chance to be set up for success because I I think he'll DH against righties. I don't think he'll play against lefties, and if and when they do face lefties, I think Rowdy's then. Your top pitch hit guy off, off the bench. When you need a big hit, you hope that it's going to be Roddy Telez. So I I still I still believe in Roddy Telez. I still think he has a role on the team. I just think that it's it's not as significant as it once was. As for Owen Miller, uh, I've not been the biggest Owen Miller fan after the May that he had. You know, he had the you know the May of a lifetime, right? I think Owen Miller will tell that story to his grandkids. Forever and ever because you know he was a kid who cheered for the Brewers, Ryan Braun was his favorite player and he just had this awesome May that helped the Brewers stay afloat when they were really struggling and Owen Miller deserves a lot of credit for that, uh, no doubt about it, he just has not been that same guy and I think that now you'll see Owen take a big step back. Um, and I, I don't think that's a problem. I think, you know, working him in interchangeably, uh, getting, you know, less sort of seen, you know, less of a book on him, uh, giving him more time to kind of figure out what's been going wrong. Can he be a little bit less of a free swinger? Owen Miller has fallen out of fl- favor a little bit with, you know, what the Brewers are trying to do. I, I just think that Monasterio has been playing better and you, you have to ride that hand. Monasterio could have a similar sort of Owen Miller thing where it's great for a month and then teams start figuring him out, and that's fine, all right. Just switch to Owen Miller then. And once you have Brian Anderson back, and then maybe you don't need either of those guys. But I think Miller and Monasterio have established themselves as part of this Brewers team in, in some capacity. I, I don't see a situation where either of them deserve to get DFA'd or sent down to AAA. And you think about Luis Urias, who's still in AAA, who's not doing a ton. And Keston Hira too, who I guess we should talk about that to kind of wrap this thing up. Uh, it, it's definitely hard to see a, a way to get in because these guys are just playing well. And until they're not, they're, there's not a spot open. And then Keston Hira, I think it's done, right? I think it's over. Uh, I've said for a while that it's going to be a, a sad day when Hira gets traded because I think he's going to tear it up on his next team. I think Kessahira could be a guy you you put in some trade conversations, right? Uh, I think there would be teams willing to bite um, and take a chance on, you know, sort of a lottery pick that's ready. You know, a team like the Oakland A's or a team like Kansas City, right? If you're trying to make a move, maybe for Scott Barlow, right? Uh, getting a guy like Kessahira in there right away, it's like, okay, then you throw him out there and he's playing every day and maybe he's ripping it up for Kansas City. And I think all of us are in Keston's corner. I am not in the sense of like there's a conspiracy against him. Like some there was one brewer guy who was like that, which is fucking absurd. Uh, but it it's definitely a guy that I'll root for, you know, after the fact. Uh, because I I think that the brewers kind of did him dirty. And then I think he also, you know, got in his own head. I think there, there, there's a lot to that, that onion. I don't think it's all the brewer's fault. I think it's a it's a joint joint fault, like most things in life, right? It's never one person's fault. Um, And I I think that, you know, unfortunately it was never able to work. So I would imagine that Castanjura is traded before August 1st. I have no, I have no sourcing on that. So don't, (laughs) don't take me, uh, don't take me for that. Uh, But I just, I can see it coming. I did also want to mention the, what brewers might still do with the deadline. They still have a lot of, you know, room to operate, right? Uh, we saw David Robinson of the New York Mets get traded. The Mets have now made themselves open for business. So we'll see see what happens there over the weekend. Uh, the Brewers could still use another bat, right? They could still use a guy that's a little more of a reliable DH than Rowdy Tellez. Uh, I like Rowdy, I know what I just said about Rowdy, but he hasn't been good this year. I don't think you can just hope that Rowdy Tellez suddenly springs back to life when he comes back from injury. Uh, the Brewers could also use, you know, a more, you know, reliable outfielder with the struggles that Joey Weimer has had to the plate. Uh, it's really been rough for Joey Hacks recently, and his defense is great, don't get me wrong, but you could easily move Sal Freelich to right and Tommy, and a guy like Tommy Pham or somebody else in right field, and that's sort of your right established right fielder. Um, Teoscar Hernandez is a name that I've, I've seen Brewer fans talk about and want. Uh, I'm all in on that idea uh, if they want to trade him. Like, they, if we could get Teoscar and Eugenio Suarez just really fuck around with, you know, against left-handers, be a, be a problem all of a sudden, Brewers would be really... That To me, that would be, like, going for it. I know that wouldn't define some fans' idea of going for it, but if they were able to, like, pull off a Teoscar Hernandez-Eugenio Suarez deal, I mean, that would be... Yeah, that's... To me, that's, like, pushing your chips kind of in. And saying, okay, we're at, our offense is going to be really good here, and we know we have our pitching. Uh, they also could use another bullpen arm, and those are always available. So, can you get one of those? You know, an Adam Octavino, right, from the New York Bets. I don't know. He, I think he has a big contract, but is Oct- Octavino? Is it Adavino? It's Adavino. Uh Mitch would be Mitch. It doesn't usually listen to my solo pods, but he's probably he would probably kill me uh, if he heard that. Let's see what Adavino's contract looks like. I think it's kind of nasty. Uh yeah, he has a 6.7 player player option next year at 38. No thanks. Uh, forget I even said it. But yeah, no, there there are relievers available. Uh, all it's just a matter of making sure you don't get a bad one. You don't get a Matt Bush. You don't get a Scott Line Linebrick, uh, who we talked about in a group chat today about naming random trade deadline acquisitions. there's some good names. there's like Ray Durham, uh, Felipe Lopez. Tony Graffinino was mentioned. Uh, Who else? The lean lean brick was really bad. I remember when they got him, they gave up three prospects. Obviously the prospects didn't turn out to be anything, but it was just a awful deal uh, for for the Milwaukee Brewers. It It did not work out. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Jonathan Scope, oh, Daniel Norris was bad. John Curtis, remember they, they got John Curtis from Marlins. I Marlins. These are random relievers you can get. And John Curtis blew out his elbow like right after the Brewers got him. That was unfortunate. Uh, so yeah, uh, the relievers are always available. It's just a question of will they actually hit uh, or not. So we'll see if the Brewers can make one of those reliever moves as well. So I think In terms of priority, I I also think I don't think they need a starter. Um, I was gonna say maybe a starter, but given the fact that Woodruff should be back soon, Ashby might be back. uh, They probably do not need a starter. They'll probably be okay uh, without a starting starting pitcher. Uh, But yeah, I I do think the Brewers could do could do for a reliever. The only argument against a reliever maybe is the fact that you know could Colin Ray or Julio Tehran be a reliever? I'm not confident in that at all but the brewers might think that and that might be a reason why they won't get a reliever is because they know that you know those some of those guys are going to have to go to the bullpen i think colin ray will be the first up on that, as uh, he was going to go to the bullpen when Wade Miley was back and everything, and then Colin Ray reappeared uh, because Wade Miley went down again with injury. And you'll get Wade Miley back too. That was another guy worth mentioning. So yeah, Miley, Ashby, and Woodruff. You really don't need the starting pitcher. And maybe, maybe you don't need the reliever. But I, I definitely think the Brewers need another another big bat in their offense. And I, I don't know why I keep circling the Mariners. I, I just feel like that's that's the team. Uh, and yeah, if they really want to go all in and go for Logan Gilbert, I mean, it would cost Mizarowski probably, but it, I don't know. Logan Gilbert's, Gilbert's pretty special. Uh, and we kind of let you reset the deck a little bit. And yeah, I don't know. Be, I'd be into it if it was available, but I highly, highly doubt that. Uh, let's talk about Bruce Braves real quick before we go on to football. So we have another round of Brewers and Braves. Uh, this is the second meeting uh, between the two teams uh, for the second weekend. So three more games where we want to pull our hair out. Uh, it starts tonight at 6.20, uh, then again on Saturday at 6.20, and then 12.35 on Sunday. Sucks that we got another night game on Saturday. Uh, somebody who will be out on Brady Street for Brady Street Days. Come say hi if you are around Uh That sticks. Uh, Usually, they do have some outdoor TVs. I remember vividly. Gosh, this I'd have to pull the year, pull the year. Might have been 2019. It might have been 2018, uh, where the Brewers were playing the Cubs, and it was at Miller. It was at Miller Park at the time. It was not AmFam. So same Miller Park. I'm not wrong on that. And Jason Hayward, I think, hit a walk off. Not a walk off. He had a game winning home run in the in the 11th inning and it was like a very intense game and Brady Street days was happening but my focus and attention was all on the the Brewers and the Chicago Cubs there was one where they won five to three on Ju- like it always happens around July like last weekend in July so I'm checking checking that one so I might have been wrong the Brewers might have won that game I might have the I might have my memory wrong and I, I actually might and let's see here no, well, that game was that game was nuts. Was, was it that game? This might have been a long time ago. I'm wasting precious airtime. It doesn't matter. I will find this. But there was one on this day in 2019 uh, to really drive the knife in Castahura. The Brewers were, Castinghira had the game-tying double in the eighth inning. The Brewers were down 2-0. Uh, he had the game-tying double. And then the 10th, Alberto, Alberto, Elmora hit a home run off Freddy Peralta, who was a bullpen pitcher at the time. And then Yelich and Hura both hit home runs to win the game for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, the Brewers were 56 and 50 at that point. So not not as strong as they were in the past. But man, I gotta find that Hayward game. That's gonna bother me. I'll do it later. It doesn't matter. But anyways, Brewers Braves this weekend. I, I, the Braves are not exactly coming into this playing good baseball uh, they lost two to the Boston Red Sox uh, this week. They have had a lot of time off, right? Uh, so they're well-rested, which is unfortunate, you know, in terms of dealing with their bullpen, uh, because their bullpen is going to be very fresh. They have no, they have really no qualms about that um, with, you know, two days off. But the the second half hasn't exactly started the way that they've wanted. Uh, they've lost, let's see, They've lost 7 of of 11, Uh, so it's not exactly been the the start, I think, that Atlanta hoped for. Uh, And they're going to try to right the ship with Yanni Torinos, who comes over from the Tampa Bay Rays. Torinos hasn't really had that strong of a season. Adrian Hauser will try to emulate the success he had against the Braves uh, last Saturday. I I think it'd be great to get tonight uh, Torinos' first start. A uh, little bit of pressure on on him potentially, um, as well as you know, just kind of keeping the Braves down. Right, they've lost three of their last four. Can you sort of keep them, you know, at bay? It's very there. It's a very tough place to play. The Braves are a very good home team. They're thirty-two and nineteen uh, at home. So that's that's going to also be a problem. And you're going to have to try to see if you can get one. And if you can get that first one. Then the next two do not feel as mission critical. Uh, if you're the Brewers, and you have Bryce Elder and Julio Tehran on Saturday, at the matchup we saw on Sunday, uh, and Tehran pitched great in that. Uh, Bryce Elder did too. Uh, and you know, I, I always am hesitant on these like back-to-backs. I hate them personally. I think they're the worst thing baseball does because it's really hard to gauge like how how will it go when you see them a second time. The natural, the thought is, okay, you see him a second time, you're gonna be more comfortable against them, you're gonna maybe hit them harder, but there's also sometimes you just own them, like you just can't see it, uh, whether it's Hauser or or Elder or Tehran for that matter. And then you have Colin Ray on Sunday, and that's just grip on for dear life. Uh, no starter announced for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they have a ton of talent in their Triple A, so it could be Smith Shaver, it could be Dylan Dodd, it could be somebody else. Uh, that we don't know about. Uh, but Colin Ray is a scary thought <laughs> for for the Milwaukee Brewers. So it would be awesome to get one uh, Friday or Saturday uh, as the Brewers embark on this quick six-game road trip when they go up to Washington. And that's the other thing. I mean, Washington's playing okay baseball, even as a team that's definitely selling. And they might look like a shell of themselves uh, come August 1st when the deadline is. But the Brewers, you know, get Washington after this. They do have to face Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore, you know, two of their young studs. But that is an opportunity for the Brewers to take advantage. So even if the Braves thing doesn't go the way they want, you have a chance to kind of bounce back a little bit with Washington. So that's something that you need to at least keep in the back of your mind and not not freak out. Uh, obviously don't want to get swept Uh, it's been a while i think since the brewers got swept so they've they've really you know done a good job of not necessarily they haven't they the only series they've lost uh since like middle of june has been the atlanta one uh which is crazy right uh they they had a streak there where it was really bad but i don't think when's the last time they got swept they lost three or four to this to the san francisco giants that wasn't good uh did they oh they got the A the A's. The last time they've been swept was the Oakland A's. That talked about dumb fucking baseball. But yeah, that was the last time. So middle of June. And the other thing too is if you can win, if you can win this weekend, you know, the Reds have the the Los Angeles Dodgers. So you can take advantage of that. Uh and I, I think the Reds. That, that might not go uh, well for a Reds team that, that has struggled pitching-wise. Uh, we'll see, though. Uh, but both big tests for the NL Central teams. It's crazy that neither of those games are on Fox, by the way. Uh, I, 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 like, I don't understand how the NFL is the only thing that can be flexed. Like, Ellie De La Cruz is hot in the goddamn streets, and there's no there's no Fox game for that uh right now it looks like we have well these games are pretty good I'm gonna might have to redact it because we got Red Sox Giants that's like oh we don't see Boston versus San Francisco uh so it's the Red Sox and San Francisco and you have the Rays versus the Astros so which is a potential you know ALCS matchup for sure uh but yeah Reds Reds Dodgers is I mean that's that's top tier as well as Brewers Braves I know Fox had Brewers Braves uh, last week, but at least get that out of the FS1 game. The FS1 game is fucking Tigers and Marlins. How do they choose those FS1 games? That's a that's another question for you. I have zero idea, but yeah, let's see. Did Apple TV select either of those games? What's Apple? Apple TV does not have a game, which that feels like such a miss. How do you not have a game... On on Friday, with all of these awesome you know games going on. That that also seems bad. And then Peacock is Angel Blue Jays which isn't a bad series either. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good series this weekend. This is a good, good weekend for baseball. And you have Cubs Cardinals too, which got very testy. Rangers Padres, not bad either. Uh, Yankees Orioles, which is on ESPN on Sunday, because of course it is. But yeah, great great slate of baseball which you don't usually talk about I feel like I'm because I'm uh I'm listening to like uh cover cover for cover three and their like win totals podcast I'm starting to think about Saturdays and slates and stuff like that getting all getting all juiced up uh for college football so anyways uh let's move on speaking of football let's move on to football and talk a little Packers and Aaron Rodgers I promise you guys that I'm not trying to talk about Aaron Rodgers every solo pod, every podcast that I do. Uh, I really don't. I know I would said on yesterday's show that I feel like Aaron Rodgers matters and I feel like it's a a topic you're going to have to cover. Uh, You can't just avoid it. You can't run from it. You have to talk about what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, It's hard it's not even that it's hard not to. It's it's part of this year's storyline, whether people like it or not. And those who do not like it, I, I think what you gotta do is just mute it on X or Twitter. I just mute it, like mute the word, mute Aaron Rodgers, mute Rodgers, and and just sort of tune it out for a bit. And I think that'll, I think that should help. But we're gonna talk about it here. Uh, we timestamp our stuff at least on the dailies, uh, not the ones I do with Shannon or Mitch, but. I have timestamps, so you can always look at the description and say, "Okay, he's talking Rogers." I'm gonna skip ahead and talk and listen to the stuff about training camp and whatever else he has up his sleeve. But as for our Rogers topic for the day, there was an interesting tweet that got a lot of attention uh, from Nathan Morzon. Uh, you might know him as part of Bucks Twitter, but he's also a packer fan. Uh, and he had the tweet earlier today saying, I'm in the camp of Packer fans that are fully supporting Aaron Rodgers as long as he's not facing the Packers. I hope he balls out this season. Then later in the day, after he was dragged a little bit by Steve the Homer True and Aaron Nagler, uh, he said, it's perfectly understandable to root against Rodgers this year so we can get a higher draft pick. It's also okay to root for him because he's arguably the best Packer ever. I disagree with that and did a lot for the franchise. True. Uh neither makes you a fake fan. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. So obviously Nathan did not like sort of the response that he got from Packer fans. As I say a lot when you're putting out tweets, like if you can't handle the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Uh, you just have to have to deal with it. And with that tweet, I, I, I think that where Marzon gets it wrong is you you can't really hope for a successful Jets season. Like you can you know, be like, oh yeah, classic Rodgers, or oh yeah, there goes that man, or oh, Aaron Rodgers, crazy comeback. And you can, you know, not necessarily actively root against it, right? You can, you can, you know, acknowledge what he's doing. You can respect the player, right? But you can't necessarily respect the Jets winning football games because it directly hurts the Packers, you know? And that necessarily, that is the, that's the thing. That, that's the kind of golden ticket as long as Aaron Rodgers clocks out to 65 games, 65% of the snaps, excuse me, like that, that is the entryway in. And once that happens, and if the Jets are, let's say 500, you're hoping they lose every fucking game after that. And it's not necessarily because you're cheering against Aaron Rodgers you are cheering to have as high of a draft pick as possible. And especially if you're good and even if you're bad, like even if the Packers are one of the worst teams in football and they're not a very good football team, you're still hoping that the Jets are there with you. Because if that's the case, there's a real chance you could get Caleb Williams. Like there's a real chance or Drake May. You know, what if a team, you know, bottoms out this year? Or yeah, I don't think the Bengals have a, a issue with Joe Burrow who had a scary injury and had to get carted off. It seems like it's just a calf strain. But if Joe Burrow actually to go down with a season-ending injury and the Bengals were bad and they had the top pick overall, they would take the Packers two picks and the Packers could go get Caleb Williams. And the Packers would have as much draft capital as any team you know, in the next year, in next year's draft. Seattle Seahawks also would have something to say about that. And the Seattle Seahawks are the perfect example of why you root against it. It's not necessarily, again, uh, let me be clear. It's separating the player from the team. Like, yeah, you can hope that Rodgers is successful in a sense, but he can't be successful enough to win football games. Like, you have to hope that his defense is absolutely true tragic right like the 2008 season and where it's like Rodgers had multiple chances to lead comebacks but and he did and then the defense would give it up that's I guess what you would hope for but that Jets defense is really fucking good so the only way the Jets are bad this year is if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt or if Aaron Rodgers struggles and if Aaron Rodgers struggles that's where the Packers make their money and what you saw with the Seattle Seahawks and the Seattle Seahawks last year were everybody's surprise team. They're what I think the great of could be this year. And then the Denver Broncos were one of the worst teams in football with Russell Wilson. And they didn't have any of the snap, snap percentage restrictions, which I'm sure the Broncos are thankful for, or the Seahawks are thankful for, because Russell would have definitely got shut down, and they would have, not made, they would have made sure that the Broncos weren't necessarily, or the Broncos would have made sure they weren't giving up that pick. And... But they did and they they had to deal with it and they had to eat that pick. And so Devin Witherspoon, a top tier corner, the Seahawks basically have rebuilt the Legion of Boom with him and Tyreek Woolen, and they got that because of the Russell Wilson deal and that is why you can't hope that Aaron Rodgers is good. You can say like, yeah, I, like it's just, more, it's a very awkward thing. I think the better tweet would have been, it's awkward that I kind of hope Rodgers does well but I know we can't because it helps our draft pick. Like you can't, like that is not a winning, it's not a winning mentality. It's kind of loser talk, honestly. It's like, you know, the Boston fans that threw a parade for Ray Bork after he left the Bruins and went to the Avalanche. Like that is, that's kind of what we're talking about here. We need, we're out for blood here. We're out for a top 10 pick. We're out to get our Devin Witherspoon, right? If the Packers can benefit from that, Or if the Jets aren't really bad and they could get a Marvin Harrison, right? (laughs) Which would be the height of irony that the the pick they used to to trade Aaron Rodgers that they got from Aaron Rodgers, they draft a receiver, would be the ultimate last double cross of this this whole thing. But you could not cheer too hard for Aaron Rodgers. Kenobi does well, but... He 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 only do well enough to win to not win football games. The jet the you hope the Jets go zero seventeen. You really do, and it has nothing to do, and and Aaron Rodgers play sixty five percent of the snaps. That's that's the goal. The goal is to get to sixty five, you know. And you could also I guess if I'm still workshopping a, a tweet that would be better than Marzans. You could also say like. I hope that the Jets are successful up to the 65% mark. Once we go past 65%, I hope they're absolutely fucking awful. And I hope that they go, you know, I think it's like November where it is. So it's like me, you know, I hope they go one and four down the stretch. And so, and and that's the other thing is like, they they will fight like hell to, you know, make sure that draft pick is not a high, high one. And that it's in the 20s. You know, they make the playoffs, right? And that's still okay. Like, let's let's be clear about this. Even, even if the Packers aren't very good and they're drafting anywhere from like 11 to 14, and then they get the Jets 24th pick or 23rd pick, like that's still setting yourself up for success. There is still a lot you can do with that. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong if that's the outcome. Uh, but I think you still want the... The top 10 picks and you still want the, you know, to make sure that you have that that Seattle sort of come up where you basically are gifted a free top 10 pick. That is the ultimate goal. That is that is really the dream. So yeah, you can't cheer for Aaron Rodgers that hard and that it's not, I'm not gatekeeping. I really am not. It's just I'm being a logical fan here. I'm taking off my Rodgers jersey and saying, let's be logical here. Cheering for Aaron Rodgers does not help the Green Bay Packers, and that's that's really blunt. It's a blunt way of saying it, uh, but it's true, and that's sort of how you have to approach the full season. So we shall see, right? Uh, and we'll see we'll see how it goes. Um, and I, I think it's it the Jets Bills game is gonna be really fucking weird. Uh, I know it will be. Um, they're gonna be on TV a bunch. We're gonna get force fed the Jets. And I watch a lot of the games. I'm sure I'll have opinions on them. I'm sure we'll do a Jets Bills a block topic um, on that Tuesday. Uh, but I, I think it's it's going to be a it's going to be a very interesting experience, um, and I can't wait to share it with all of you. Moving on to training camp to wrap us up here for the week. Training camp is underway. Uh, we've had two days of it. Uh, there are there are takes already smoldering. AJ Dillon did not help uh, Packer Nation from calming themselves down over Jaden Reed uh, as he compared him to Randall Cobb and said it kind of looked like prime Cobby out there. Uh, he said he didn't want to disrespect him, but it, it looked, it looked, he looked the part. And Jaden Reed had an awesome day too. Uh, he had he had a really nice play over the middle uh, from a pass from Jordan Love, and that is something that is very exciting. That is a a good start to camp now. I should preface, I should have started with this, it's very early. A lot can happen, a lot can change. We've seen a lot of injuries uh, so far. Hopefully the Packers, you know, do not fall accustomed to that. Jair went down at the very end with an ankle injury, was able to walk off his own power. Uh, Dontravion Wicks had a concussion already, which is crazy. Uh, So there are at least a couple uh, injuries, but as for Fareed, uh, it's a solid start. And it's him establishing himself as a guy that can start out the box, that can start in those three wide sets with Dobbs and Watson. And it seems like he already has the trust of Jordan Love. Uh, There isn't sort of that minutia or that barrier that you have with Rodgers. He's already looking Reed's way. Reed's already making big plays. He seems comfortable in the system. Uh, And that's a really good sign. And that's something that I think the that can really sort of elevate the Packers, right? And maybe they're on to trusting their young wide receivers, even though I think everybody nationally, locally thinks they're crazy. Uh, but maybe maybe they're on to something. And this is at least a solid start in the right direction. Uh Luke Musgrave, though, as if we're staying with the rookies, struggled a bit. Uh, he had a, a few drop passes uh, it's early, man. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm not going to worry too much about it. Uh, Musgrave, you know, struggling a little bit early is is nothing that I, I think should be alarm bells. I think if you're still doing that, you know, middle of August, then yeah, you got to worry about it. Uh, it's interesting too that Tyler Davis was very involved. You know, they've loved Tyler Davis for the last couple of years. Uh, really seems like he's going to be their blocking tight end. Uh, Found it interesting that they were running a lot of two tight, two running back sets. So a little different than what they did with Rodgers, bringing it in more. I mean, that fits with what Matt LaFleur was in Tennessee. He was more of a run first guy. And I feel like the Packers were, should have been a run first team last year. We talked about it, you know, last fall that the, the writing was on the wall with Rodgers injury. And it really should have just been on the backs of Jones and Dillon. And I, I think you're going to, I think you're going to see that this year. And I, I think they are going to focus on running that football and trying to, trying to basically, I would say jam it down at people's throats, but kind of a balanced approach similar to what we saw old west west coast stuff which is ironic considering Aaron Rodgers that's all Aaron Rodgers wanted to do but Aaron Rodgers would check out of runs you know more than I check out of my wife telling a story about work like it's it's just one of those things that Rodgers did constantly and it just never he never seemed to get it except for that game against Dallas That's the only one where he fucking got it. And lo and behold, the Packers had like 34, 31 points in that game. Uh, Like It's it's just proof was in the pudding. And I I think you'll see it with love. Um, And I do think that that's going to be something, you know, the Packers offense will... We'll see. Uh, Zach Tom seems to be the right tackle for now. Uh, you know, obviously that was a hot position battle um, and you're gonna have Zach Tom as the right tackle, at least for the start. Um, we'll see if he gets pushed by Josh Nyman, but that's that seems to be your guy and I have no problem with that. Uh, I think Zach Tom showed enough last year and I, I would imagine there's a there's a big season there. I think if we're gonna talk about breakout guys, which I'm sure we will um, as we get closer to the season, Zach Tom definitely has to be on that list. Tal Goodson being used like Tyler Irvin is perfect uh I think that's an awesome little wrinkle uh having Goodson just running around uh you know the the field and kind of being the motion guy is something that lacked from Packers last season and I I think having that that kind of player makes you really dynamic uh as a team and definitely something that you could see with him, him with Jaden Reed. I think the Packers are going to be a very fast offense, and I think did some people have talked about that, but I, I don't know if enough people are talking about how fast this offense can be when you add up Reed, Goodson, Aaron Jones still has wheels, uh, Christian Watson, right? Uh, and they they have guys. Uh, Tucker Craft even and Musgrave over the middle, like. They have fast fucking dudes. And I, I do not think that's that's being discussed. Jordan Love, too. Like Jordan Love can run run the football a little bit. Like he's not necessarily like Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields, right? But he can still he can still run the ball a little bit uh, when he needs to. And so I I think that the discount of the Packers being fast is is something that we have to keep reminding ourselves that this is going to look different right in a lot of different ways uh but one of them is a fast offense as for the defense uh it, it really seems like it's Jair's world and we're all living it now he had the ankle injury at the end so hopefully he's okay but he really made his presence felt these first two his first two training camp sessions uh I can't Recall and now, granted, I do not keep like logs of training camp, but I can't recall like Jair coming out the gates hot in training camp like this. So I don't know if it's something to prove. I don't know if it's the Packers telling him like, "Hey, we want you to be in this leadership role," and he's sort of taking it on full steam. Uh, I I I like it though. Uh, I'm a huge fan of if Jair you know wants to take his game at a next level. I'm a big fan of that version of Jair Alexander. Uh, there was a lot of notes about the defensive line looking quicker. Uh, it's definitely something that the Packers have tried to address you know, with the draft. You know, They got Carl Brooks, they got Corey Wooten. Uh, Devontae Wyatt You know, really moves well. Uh, he's, he's talking about how he worked his ass off this summer. I talked about how this was gonna be a different Packers defense. Uh, I could pull the quote, but like, it's one of those where it's like, wow, I am not necessarily falling for this again. This is not necessary. we're not doing it. We're not, we're not doing it. Uh, here's what Devontae Wyatt said uh, after practice. I can tell you right now, this defense, we're bringing more pressure, we're attacking more, we're ready to dominate more than last year. I, like, listen, man, every fucking year, we hear this about the defense. We hear this about the defense, and then it, Doesn't pan out and something goes wrong. Remember how excited we were about this defense last year at this time? Not at this time, it was like middle August. We're like, this defense fucking rocks, man. This defense is good. Uh, and then they got their asses handed to them by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so I think we're all on edge. And then the last two, the last two home, the last two openers have went way off the rails, uh, for the Packers. But yeah, I, uh, I'm really excited. Uh, all the stuff's good. Uh, I, I'm happy Wyatt's playing. Uh, I, I think there is, you know, continuing on with the breakout sort of conversation. I do think Wyatt has a real chance to be a breakout guy as well as Quay Walker. So we'll, we'll see if it continues, but excited to keep monitoring it over the weekend and we'll, uh, we'll continue to update you. I, I don't know if we'll do this for everyone or if we'll come up with some sort of segment uh, but it's definitely something worth checking in on, worth keeping an eye on uh, for the Green Bay Packers. And certainly want to keep talking Packers football, right? Uh, we are, what, two weeks away from training camp, I believe? All right, at training camp, uh, from the first preseason game, uh, which is, I, I, I believe... Was that the twelfth? I, I I do not know. I do not have a now the training camp game on my radar. Jets Browns Hall of Fame game NBC uh, next Thursday night. I will not be not be in the building. I'll be actually at the Brewer game. That's a crazy day in Milwaukee, by the way. Uh, that's you have Drake. You have first day of State Fair, and you have Brewers Pirates. Uh, and I'm at the one that probably people give the least amount of shit about. The Green Bay Packers are in Cincinnati uh, on August 11th, my father's birthday, uh, and that is a six o'clock game on the NFL Network. If I'm at his house, that's that's a problem because they don't have NFL Network, so I'm going to have to tape that one. But we will have to figure that out podcast-wise. I don't know if we're going to go on a Saturday pod and talk about preseason game number one Um, i know the packer content creators the naglers the bokowskis of the world are going to be so i I feel like i have to uh but yeah you know we'll see we we as always here at tabby the kag we go at the beat of our own drum i don't think i have anything else for you guys uh i am going to enjoy a husband meal uh today i don't know if you followed the girl dinner trend uh, on TikTok, right? Where these girls are just eating cheese and crackers and like a little bit of wine and they call it a girl dinner. Uh, if you don't know, uh, now you do. But then there was this article in GQ and part of my take talk about it. I think on Monday's show or, or yeah, I think it was Monday. They talk about it too, about how guy basically is like, yeah, whenever my wife leaves, I get Just gross takeout and I I eat like a degenerate. And that's me. Whenever my wife leaves and she's out this weekend, I just it's it's either Chinese or fat ass steak. And it's gonna rain apparently all all Friday night. So we are firing up the Chinese. Um and then Chinese not always a summer not always a summer choice, but with the grill down, uh with the rain coming in uh, Friday night to cool us off, that's why we'll go with Chinese. There's a good, little, there's a good little spot at Greenfield. Uh, if you're in the Brookfield area, I think it's, what is it called? I think it's called Asia Palace. Uh, but yeah, it's good. All right, that does it. If you have other Chinese wrecks uh, in the burbs, feel free to drop them in. Uh, tap, the Twitter, tap the camera on Twitter. Tap the camera Sports on Instagram. All right, that does it. I should get out of here. Uh, take care of yourselves. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Like I said, Brace your days if you're around. You want to hang? Let me know. I'll definitely buy a beer uh, for you. I always say that to people. No one ever takes me up on it. I also think though I do a bad job because then I won't like take a picture or put it like put it on my Instagram or Twitter that I'm there. And I feel like if I did that more often, maybe people would would come find me. Uh, but yeah, that's that's on me. Uh, so it goes both ways. But anyways, uh, have a great great weekend. And yeah, we're back back Monday. See if any deals happen. And I, I will also add. Since I have a little bit of free time this weekend, if there is a if there is a big deal that comes down for the Brewers, we'll uh, we'll we'll pop on the pod and uh, chat about it. All right, take care of yourself. I'm going. Bye.